It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. And welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from uh, Mansfield Park here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I am Phyllis Gove. And with us today, back, one of our favorites, Carrie oh. Whitmer. One Hello. of our favorites. Yes, all the other favorites are your other best friends. I will say, though, um, as I was watching this, I was thinking about how we did End of the Affair, a much, much hornier film than this film. Um, This film is... uh, So I... Yeah, go ahead, Kenny. That's the word, chaste. It's chaste, it is. It's, I mean... Or do you say chest? I think it's chaste. Chaste. I say chaste. It's chaste. It's definitely chaste. But it's actually kind of not for a Jane Austen adaptation. <laughs> so I have not read the book. I, I am a Jane Austen fan, but I have not read Mansfield Park. Um, but in preparation for the pod, um, mm. I read the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted to know like some of the differences because sure. I'm sure we'll talk about As this. But yeah, yeah. There's pretty, sig- pretty significant differences between the adaptation and the novel. Um, including that it's a little like way more sexually overt. Yeah. That it's, it's sexual at all, really. Well, it's so I, I knew, I don't know about you, Kenny, but I knew very little about this going in. I knew it was this a genetic. This is not one yeah. of the top tier Austin's no. in terms of uh, public under, public kind of recognition. 
No. Like I, I, I recognize the title for what it's worth, but I didn't know anything about it. It's obviously, it doesn't, you know, it's not Pride and Prejudice. It's not Sense and Sensibility. It's not Emma. I mean, these are her sort of, you know, her uh, much more renowned or certainly more popular works. Um, but I also felt like I, in the limited amount of research I did, I did sort of realize that this was a pretty bold adaptation you know, all things considered. Um, not just what you were talking about, Carrie, in terms of the um, uh, sort of the scandalous components that she added to it, but also just in terms of that it's actually sort of loosely based on Jane herself mm-hmm. and that the director, uh, Patricia Rosemer? Ros- Ros- I don't know. Ros- I'm Ros- guessing it's Rosma? French because she's Canadian, okay. right? Would you pronounce yes. it like French? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't know how it's going. So forgive know. me. Uh, we'll call her Patricia. Uh, she uh, sort of gleaned stuff from from Jane's letters and from Jane's biographical information and infused that into the Fanny character, which I think is interesting, but also the, the purists, the Jane Austen purists of the world did not take too kindly to it. Yeah, but I, I would... Uh, at least from what I read and from what I remember. And I think one of the reasons why I never did read Mansfield Park Mm -hmm. is because Fanny is like not really, uh, not that all protagonists have to be likable. Likable (laughs) is not a good word, but Fanny is just like not a good character to be a lead in a movie. In, In a book, I think it's a lot different because in a book you can get so much more of like someone's mind that you cannot get in a visual medium. Um, But it it seems like those changes were almost necessary in order to like have an interesting story. I mean, I don't know if anyone else thought it was interesting, but I I mean, I I kind of liked it. I did. I certainly didn't dislike it. I did find it. um, There were a lot of stuff that I thought was interesting and we'll obviously talk about those things, but I I, I did feel like um, the cast is great. Kenny and I sort of fell into a back-to-back Alessandro Nivola because uh, yep. we did best laid plans, which we're recording the, after the this. Secret, okay. The secret king of ninety nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> no one knew. He's very different in these two movies. Um, yes. but but he uh, he's a super underrated actor. Like he's one of those guys that's been around forever. He's done a million things, and yet feels like he never really has totally. gotten his due. Um, and I know that like David Chase uh, really wanted uh, the Many Saints of Newark to be the uh, a big thing for him. He's good in that movie. Did you? Haven't you seen the movie, Barry Kenny? I have. I I'm the Sopranos nut, and I swear yeah. to God, I don't remember. I I was Kenny. I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> I watched the Many Saints of Newark. I know that I watched it, and I could not tell you anything besides the two Ray Liotas. The two yeah. Ray Liotas and, and Christopher narrating. The Christopher narrating. I remember liking it. I, I, yeah. I remember yeah. liking it yeah. more than other people liked it. But yeah. God, I mean, Alessandro Novola was in it. Who did he play? <laughs> he played the he played like the the mobster that, that takes Tony under his wing. He's like, yeah, of course I remember that. Yeah, I uh, honestly. <laughs> I because he's like in in this movie he's like wearing a wig so yes. I didn't even really register that it was him until yeah. you guys just mentioned it I was like wait like Bernthal was in it right no what? wait no wait which we're not in not in not in Mansfield Park oh no oh, he, I don't think oh. he was alive when Mansfield Park was made, oh you're right? talking about 
<laughs> no, no, I know Burn what you're saying. He's wearing, it. yeah. He, Many is he wearing a wig words. in in Mansfield Park, or is his hair just like super curly and weird? Oh, he played. Oh, he played. Yeah, he played Chrissy's father. Wow, yes, yeah, what yeah, a role! Yeah. He oh, played. He's yeah. kind of like the lead. Yeah, it's a weird. Listen, I would love to do two hours on the Many Saints of Newark because that movie is bizarre uh, and and in interesting and uninteresting ways. Yeah, but it is it's it's a strange movie. Um, but Alessandro, who the the role that I often think about him is Laurel Canyon, a movie that is a pretty small movie that uh, Lisa mm-hmm. Charlie Danko did, which I love. I always uh, think Paul um, Troy. Oh well, of course, Paul Troy, sure, yeah, um, but. He's just, yeah, he's a really fucking good actor. And I do think, like, um, I would argue, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree, Kenny, that that neither of these films necessarily showcase him particularly well. Mm, best yeah, best yeah. Lane Plans is a little... My feelings about Best Lane Plans. Well, I, I don't, I, I, we'll hear your feelings. I, I, you're, you, he's better in... Best Lane Plans is just, I mean, I don't. is it a better movie than this, Kenny? Yeah, a million times better. But that's I not the point. That's not the point. That, that best laid plans is is a different kind of. It's movie. a totally different thing. But he's uh, good in this movie, and I and I I actually think that in the Jane Austen oeuvre, I feel like they're generally speaking are are two men, one that is good and one that is evil. It seems like there's there's a very kind of binary component to 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 the way she kind of creates her her love triangles. And I actually what I liked about this one was that Henry, which I believe is the character that yeah. Alessandro plays, um, there's a lot more dimension to yeah, he's him. He's not evil. He's not evil. But she, I think Fanny's an asshole to him, quite frankly. Like, I think he's actually a better person than she's giving well, that's to. that. that's kind of the weirdness of this film, yeah. is that when she kind of agrees to marry him, there's... <laughs> There's a swell in the score, the yeah, way it's yeah. shot. It's not really presented as she's cons- she's um, consign- consigning herself to like yes. a life of you. She the dialogue later is like, I don't want to be a bored yes, wife. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's not the way it feels, and that's not the way he presents. He doesn't present as the kind of man who's looking for a kept woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that personally. I like him more against type, which yeah. I think he has a, I think he has kind of an innate, you know, you look at him and he has almost an innate kind of weaselly weaselness to him, he but he is at, but he is actually like a very soulful actor. I agree. So I think he would have worked really well in the Johnny Lee Miller, Johnny Lee Miller role. Yeah. And Johnny Lee Miller should have yeah. been the other role because I don't like his face and I don't <laughs> trust him. So uh, he he had no no well I mean he's like got an attractive face but he also has that kind of face that you're like you're up to something it it, it's it's almost like I would compare it to almost like Guy Pierce where it's like sure you're like really hot but like for some reason I'm really suspicious like I feel like it just some people have that look that it just feels like they're up to something well Guy Pierce whenever they're in a movie. Yeah, yeah, Guy Pierce's like, roles tend to be. Yeah, this, this little, is true. But, it, but not, if he, yeah. 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 I mean, I it's, like, it's, not, it's not the perfect one to one, but yeah. uh, the way Ryan Johnson uses Chris Evans in Knives Out is the same idea. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's this idea of like, it's idea, it's like this thing has always been there and you've always felt it, but like Hollywood hasn't al- allowed you to fully, you know, like, like, you know, feel it fully because they don't understand who this guy really is. Fortunately, Chris yeah. Evans seems to understand who he really is. But yeah, 
Was yeah, it, 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 it's I, I the Johnny Lee Miller thing is interesting too because I feel like Edmund's character is also kind of not great. Yeah, generally speaking, and it does feel like Fanny and Edmund are the ones we're supposed to be rooting for. They make it really hard on this movie to root for. Sorry if I'm getting yeah, no, no, the please, like please. bloodlines yeah. things crossed, yeah. but aren't they also like first sort cousins? Of related. <laughs> I don't know if they're first cousins. Are they, but uh, they're like no, they're no. kind of. They're kind. Well, well I think, though I think they are. are they are first, cousins, yeah. but not first cousins. But they're. She. I don't is, know though. She's I don't know Cinderella. where she her like lineage, the the movie yeah. is Cinderella. She is right. from a poor family, sent to mm-hmm. live with a rich family because the poor family could no longer afford to raise mm-hmm. her. Yep, it's hard to say whether this rich family, if there's you know, if their first cousins or second, it's like because because it's her Sir Tim or Tom. God, I can't. I can get. I think it's Tom. Tom, the guy Tom. who gets who almost dies at the end. Yeah, he's like her. Is he her uncle? Or oh, sorry. They, you're talking about Sir Thomas. He is. We're talking Thomas. about yeah. He's Harold her Pinter, uncle. yeah, the great yeah. Harold Pinter. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, the first time I've ever seen him in a movie. But, Same. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's it's the we live in a post Downton Abbey world where mm. this isn't such a issue for me anymore. But because uh, I have like you know accepted it, I accepted it so you know with open arms in, in Downton Abbey. Well, same um, with Emma, right? I mean, and and in, in turn, clueless because <laughs> that they also well, have yeah, the, but but it for whatever reason it took down to Abby for me to be like, yeah, this is just what happens, <laughs> you know, like like this is just this is just what they did, and like uh-huh. I yeah, yeah. okay, I can be into this relationship. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't bother me true. the same way it did. Sure. Like it didn't really bother me in clueless because I love the movie so much, well, yeah. but I just kind of like waved it off. You know, it's a little. I yeah. mean, in Clueless, it's they're not marriage. It's by marriage. They're not blood. Like you're sort of whatever. But like, yeah. it, it is. It's a. It's a little weird, but it's not weird enough to like derail yeah. anything. But but to your point, Carrie, yes, they are first cousins. They do seem to I be think. sort of yeah, or or second cousins. It just it feels like this movie really sort of from the jump. As children, you're seeing Fanny and Edmund have a connection very early on. And and I would argue that that connection between those child actors seemed more genuine and, and loving in a, in a way than the adult versions of them. Fanny always... I know that, and, and we'll talk about the differences between the, the book and, the, and, and uh, the movie a little bit, but I do feel like by infusing this modernity into Fanny's character... Um, something is lost in the translation. Unlike a you know a Greta Gerwig and Little Women situation, which mm-hmm. I think is sort of the the, the that's the the ideal, if you First will. First movie I of, thought of, obviously, would yeah. Be, you know, you think of a movie that fucked that that fucked with the like the actual yep. bones yep. of a beloved piece of literature, uh, and, and made it fresh it, and modern in a way that yeah, yeah. didn't it manage I, to, I to think- rankle the the mm-hmm. purists either. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I think yeah. this is, so I, I think the, the conception of this, it's interesting yeah. because I think the conception of this and I think the direction of this are kind of brilliant. Yeah. So, so, it's, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. yeah. So I, I was thinking, it's, I was thinking of not Little Women. I guess Little Women is a good comparison for like changing the novel. Um, mm-hmm. But I was thinking of 
uh, Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice, which I felt like, and even Marie Antoinette, which I think were like two of the first movies that really brought like more cinematic approaches to period pieces because they felt like, I mean, I watched a lot of these when I was a kid. I watched a lot of Jane Austen adaptations. I remember watching this one. I remember watching Mansfield Park, like at my grandma's, she, every time we went to visit her every summer she would like be like i rented the latest like jane austen adaptation at the library and we would watch it and i like always kind of i I always thought they were like kind of boring because i wasn't as into like books at the time so i was like oh like books are boring i don't want to watch a movie based on a book but i remember (laughs) watching this um and i had i mean i was like young i didn't really understand the Mm -hmm. complexities or like really i didn't really understand what a modern or good movie was but when i was re-watching this today i was like really honestly like sh- quite shocked by how much how modern it was and how like more cinematic and experimental it was compared to all of the other period pieces including austin ad- adaptations from the from the time which tend to feel like from today's perspective really dry because we're getting yeah. so many more modern interior pieces that focus more on character and story than like on like here's what it was like to live in 1814 Mm -hmm. well it's i think it's interesting too because like if you look at what autumn de wilde did with emma uh from the 2020 adaptation with uh, anya taylor joy which um feels like kind of this on steroids do you know what i mean like it's it's really interesting how because like i don't know about you kenny but like i i knew this movie existed if mm-hmm. I'm being completely honest, I remember the poster, but I never saw it. It never made much of an impression. Yeah. And it and it 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 got released kind of and we'll talk about sort of released in November amongst a whole bunch of other kind of potential Oscar players, I guess. But like it's just interesting that this movie, to your point, Carrie, kind of breaks a lot of molds in terms of a Jane Austen adaptation. Um and yet it just didn't really make much of an impression at the time. Like uh, the things that that jumped out at me was breaking the fourth wall stuff. I thought was interesting. It, they kind of mm-hmm. drop it early on, but like you have the the younger version of Fanny talking to the camera yeah. a little bit. You've got sort of these tableaus that come into play at the end that almost feel Titus esque um, in terms of sort of making it feel very kind of theatrical. Um, and and it, it's the photography is really beautiful too. It's a lot of handheld. There's a lot of kind of urgency and a lot of kind of there's a bit of a spark to the way that the, that the film is, is actually physically made. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it doesn't. So I want to talk for a second about Frances O'Connor, who is an actress that I feel kind of never got her due. Like I, I feel as though she sort of the moment that kind of, I don't, I, AI was sort of her moment, it feels like. That was a big movie, obviously. It was Spielberg. It was all of that. And then it just felt like nothing really came of it for her. Like, I'm looking at her filmography. She's in Bedazzled, which I know is a, is a, Kenny, a Kenny favorite. I don't remember who she is in Bedazzled. She's, she's the one that Brendan Fraser is kind of obsessed with. So she... Oh, yeah. She's like <laughs> the girl. Um, and then she's in a, an adaptation of The Importance of Being Earnest in 2002. Um, you know, she's in Timeline in 2003. But, like, it's it's just, it kind of just never really happens for her, um, which is a bit of a bummer. Because I do think she is a good actor. Um, I don't quite know why it didn't really happen. But I do think that, like, this film, she's very 
she's in she's very charming um and very she's watchable so pretty she's and she's beautiful yeah like she just like she's just she her the poster is just her face yep, yep. and she has a very you know kind of warmth and inviting quality to her that does make you want to at least learn more about this person but also and not to be you know to not not to objectify too much and be too Mm -hmm. superficial she looks like a lot of other actresses she does have a kate beckinsale kind of vibe i I was just gonna say that i feel like it was probably just like i don't know wrong place wrong, like right yeah, place yeah, yeah, wrong yeah. right wrong place person. wrong time yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because at the time there's like honestly i feel like at the begin like i feel like in the early 2000s there's all these new brunettes who come in who do periods yep. it's yep. like kira knightley comes in a yeah. few years later and a she lot of, becomes lot of like British awesome brunettes, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no I, I i totally agree with that i um so let me just give a uh, quick synopsis for the people who haven't seen Mansfield Park. Fanny, played by Frances O'Connor, born into a poor family, is sent away to live with wealthy Uncle Sir Thomas, played by Harold Pinter, his wife, played by Lindsay Duncan, and their four children, where they'll be brought up for a proper introduction to society. She's treated unfavorably by her relatives, especially, except for her cousin, that is, Edmund, played by Johnny Lee Miller, whom she grows fond of. However, Fanny's life is thrown into disarray with the arrival of worldly Mary Crawford, played by M. Beth Davids, and her brother Henry, played by Alessandro. Nabola Mansfield Park opened on November 18th, 1999 against Pokemon, The Bone Collector, Dogma, The Messenger, and The Insider. Uh, it would go huh. on to make $4 million. Um, it has 77% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 77% from audiences, which I think might be a first that we've ever had a tie mm-hmm. between the two things. Um, Ebert gave the film four stars, said that... Ebert. Uh, yeah. Mansfield Park makes no claim to be a faithful telling of Jane Austen's novel and achieves something more interesting instead. The director has chosen passages from Austen's novels, sorry, from uh, her journals and letters and adapted them to Fanny Price, the heroine of Mansfield Park. The result is a film in which Austen's values and Fanny's are more important than the romance and melodrama. Mansfield Park is a witty, entertaining film, and I haven't made a serious a Darwin with flashing eyes and high spirits. Harold Penter is the all-country Tory one could possibly hope for. Uh, Alessandro Nabola makes a rakish cad who probably really does love Fanny after his fashion. And Ambeth David's cold-blooded performances, Mary strips bare the pretense and exposes the family for what it is, a business. Its fortune is based on slave plantations in the Caribbean. This is an uncommonly intelligent film, smart and amusing too. And anyone who thinks it's not faithful to Austin doesn't know the author, um, but only her plots. And then I want to read one other quick little bit from Time Out New York said, grafting uh, incidents gleaned from Jane Austen's journals and letters onto the story of the author's third novel, the the director captures the writer's combination of prickly wit and hopeless romanticism as few filmmakers have. You may be able to see Mansfield Park ending coming from a mile away, but it's so beautifully constructed and dramatically satisfying when it arrives that you probably won't mind at all. Um, I think that that, uh, effusive reviews for uh for the film um you know sense sensibility comes out in is it it's 95 Four. right 95 Four or 95 five, I, think. Yeah. I think it's 25 um and you know i think that so pride of prejudice is 2005 the kira knightley one mm-hmm. i believe um so this kind of is smack dab in the middle of those two kind of pillars i would say of of jane austen adaptations at least in cinemas because i know that there was a very elaborate BBC Pride and Prejudice that everybody loves that I think is like 20 hours long or something like and that. And it's honestly, 
It's like just read the Wikipedia page for Pride and Prejudice while looking at a picture of Colin Firth and you got the gist. Sure. <laughs> um, but but this film does feel kind of like it's in the middle of these two films, not just chronologically, but also in mm-hmm. terms of the way that it's made. I love, love, love Ang Lee's Sense of Sensibility. It's my favorite Jane Austen adaptation. Um, because I think that he infuses his own very interesting, you know, um, filmmaking and and his his cultural you know his background all that sort of stuff infused into that film makes it feel so rich and interesting and emma thompson's adaptation is obviously phenomenal um this movie feels imbued with that modernity and that spark a little bit but it's missing something and i wonder if it's the source material did emma thompson i guess so emma thompson also i think she like doctored or like helped she touched up the pride of prejudice screenplay she she also did a little bit it's just that emma thompson did not touch this one that we know of well, she did. This was not an. Yeah, yeah. this was this adaptation had nothing <laughs> maybe, to do with Emma Thompson. Maybe, maybe it, like every Jane Austen adaptation needs that little Emma Thompson touch. Ba- I mean, listen, Emma Thompson should be in everything. I think. Yeah. I think we all agree with that. Um, so, M. Beth Davids is an interesting actor as well. I feel as though she had it has had and continues to have. She showed up in Old last year. She's great in Old. Um, Did not see that one, sorry. You didn't see Old? I think you'd like Old, Uh, Carrie. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe not. It honestly really, really creeps me out. Like the trailers. The trailers spooked me. For I I get very easily scared. Um, I do too, for the record. Uh, I'm a big I was spooked by the trailer. Okay, then maybe don't see uh, Old. Uh, Kenny, did you see Old? yeah, of course. You liked old, right? Yeah. Oh, Kate didn't like old. No, no, I liked old. I just, you know, I I, I have a serious problem with old, but uh, I I liked I liked, <laughs> I liked, I liked old. I just have a serious problem. I like ninety five percent of old. I just think, um, I just think uh, the end is incredible. I've read the Wikipedia page. I know what the ending is. Really? I like okay. Right, I, I know enough. a lot of people a lot of people like it, but my my sense is, and maybe I'm wrong, that a lot of people like it on a conceptual level. But I think uh I think contextually it's completely missing the point of the movie. Um okay. I don't right. think that it's just as easy. I, I could talk about old for a while, but I think <laughs> that this is not one of Knight's great reveals. That's all I'll say. Uh, that's interesting. I, I um, fair enough. Fair enough. I, 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 I quite liked it. But all that being said, M. Beth Davids, who um, I first saw in Schindler's List, even though I saw Army of Darkness years later, um, she's obviously amazing in Schindler's List. And then she's in kind of a bunch of. She's in Matilda. She's in a um, lot of movies. She's in a lot of movies. She's, she's in also Bicentennial in Mad Man. Men. She yes, of course, she's fucking great on Mad Men. Um, who else is in uh, Bicentennial Man? Who else is in it? Uh, yeah. Robin Williams is in. <laughs> it was Frances O'Connor. I'm pretty sure she plays the young the the granddaughter of Beth Davids. Am I wrong? Uh, I'm not seeing that on uh, her. Wikipedia, maybe I'm wrong, but. Um, I can, no, all I'm I know is totally wrong. Sorry, guys. Is that <laughs> was was nominated for a blockbuster award for favorite actress for Bicentennial Man? Just FYI, just in case you're wondering. Bad that movie. Block, Bad movie. I forgot about the blockbuster awards. That, yeah, uh, the blockbuster awards are bonkers. Bicentennial Man is equally bonkers and bad. 
don't see I have it. not. I have not seen it. One Don't of the worst it. movies we've done. One I of the worst so. movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I feel like, I think I maybe have a memory. I don't know if I'm like conflating this with something else, but I think I have a yeah. memory of my parents going on, like my parents didn't go to the movies a lot. So they mm-hmm. like went to see it because Robin Williams. Oh boy. And I remember. That'll stop you from going uh, and to the I movies. Th- like they yeah. like paid a babysitter <laughs> to come and stuff. And then I remember, cause I was like always curious about movies. I asked them, like I was asking them all these questions and they were like, we don't want to talk about this. <laughs> bison, not to, not, not, not to go on a, on a short bicentennial. No, please. But bicentennial man, <laughs> for people of your generation, Carrie, you being younger than us. Seems like the kind of film that, again, people your age would have seen over and over again and kind of got this weird, like, uncritical, you know, love of the way that, like, everyone in your generation seems to love Smart House and the Goofy movie. Um, I I have never seen Smart House. And I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, it's like people who are like they're blinded by their nostalgia for something and can't like understand that you can love it and also be like, this is a shitty movie. And a pseudo futuristic thing too. Yeah. I I think that people, I'm not trying to say they don't also know it's a shitty movie, but like, (laughs) I I, I think most of them don't realize that. Well, Phil and I did plenty of 89 movies, movies from 1989 where we're like, yeah, like we can't even be, you know, critical about it. And for whatever reason, people who are like in their early thirties right now, they, that's goofy movie. I don't know what the deal with that deal with that is. People love a goofy movie. People love a goofy movie. I I watched it at a sleepover once and I like have never thought about it again. It's, I've seen yeah. it because I have children and I also yeah. used to watch, you know, like all like the block of Disney, like Rescue Rangers and Chip and Dale. I mean, Rescue Rangers and Darkwing Duck. And I, it's, sure. um, it's a fucking hour, 20 hour, 20 yeah. minute episode of one of those shows. If yep. you like yeah. it, great. All I'm saying is Bicentennial Man very easily seems like it could have been one of those. Totally agree. Could but have, it's, but it's, it's, it's could fucked have, up. It's terrible. Like, but it could have easily, like, one. It could have easily, like, wormed its way and been like, "Oh yeah, the the Robin Williams uh, robot movie." That, like, that does it. That's something that I remember watching a thousand times I as a kid. And like, yeah. even though I'm older now and I can tell that it's like not good and like really troubling and like really weird and uncomfortable, like it's still. But it didn't because it's awful. Like, honestly, feel I feel like people feel have more nostalgia for Inspector Gadget. Here's the thing about. Which is, and that's a perfect connection too, because I do think that like Bicentennial Man is one of those things that had it been the quote unquote Robin Williams robot movie, where like Robin Williams is a is a kooky robot, I can see that working. But this isn't that because it's based on this beloved Isaac Asimov book, and it's about him existing it's for like. Five- Isaac- He's, he exists what? for 500 years and then they inject like human blood into him and turn him into a human so he can die at the end. And like, he, it's, it's an absolutely fucking crazy thing. And Chris Columbus directs it. So like, it's the Mrs. Doubtfire team back together again to, to make a movie about <sighs> existentialism and, and, and humanity. No. It's, it's bad, don't do it. Um, let's just pivot for a second here, Kenny. Kenny, you brought up Downton Abbey. Um, so we should talk about Hugh Bonneville and his ridiculous hair in this film. Um, he, were you a fan of Hugh Bonneville in this, Kenny? He was in it for one minute. 
No, he was I in it for of, probably about I 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Minutes. Uh, I, I, was, no, I, I liked his hair, yes. I, I kind of wanted more because I feel like it, it, I kind of wanted a little bit more of his levity. Um, yes. And kind of like, I, and I feel like one of my favorite things about Jane Austen is that she always, she was never afraid to make men look incredibly stupid. And those I are some totally of my favorite agree. characters in all of her adaptations and in, in, in all of her books and in her movies. I always, this guy's a fucking moron. Right, um, right. And so I kind of wanted more of that to like kind of prove Fanny's kind of point, I guess. To, like, I, I don't know if that makes yeah, sense, but I, I, think, I, I kind no, of wanted no, it more does. dumb men. No, I'm with you. I wanted more of that. I also just wanted um, just the movie's actually quite playful. By and large, I think the movie's tone is a pretty light touch. I don't think that the movie Mm -hmm. is particularly heavy. At the same time, it can feel a little flat at times. And Mm -hmm. I do think that like Hugh's character adds a little and even Embeth as well, like just adds a little bit of like pop. It, it, I mean, for me at least, it's because the actual narrative is so flat. Yeah, like yeah. that's just there. There's just not like it's interesting because the the obviously the director, the writer director, saw something in this that she was interested in, mm-hmm. and also something about this that was severely lacking that yep. she had to kind of go meta with the property, um, which is cool and great. But also, like, not something that I feel that excited about for a first go at a property, right? So Little Women has been adapted over and over and over again on stage, on screen. And for, like, the sixth or seventh bite of the apple, please do something different with it. For the first bite of the apple, it does make me think, like, well, you had to add something more to this because on its surface – there's a reason this doesn't get taught in schools. There's mm-hmm. a reason that this doesn't get picked up by Austin enthusiasts. There's a reason because it's just, it's not, there's not that much there. So it feels a little bit like there's this anecdote from um, uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade mm-hmm. about William Goldman uh, getting a script from a prospective writer and the guy adapted Troilus and Cressida. And he thought that was really clever because it's a piece of, you know, it's a, it's a piece of IP in the public domain, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels a little bit like adapting Troilus and Cressida in that, like, no one gives a shit about Troilus and Cressida. Like, like, <laughs> like you're not going to go anywhere with Troilus and Cressida, but like, I yeah. get that you're like being clever. I get that you found mm-hmm. one that's kind of untouched. I get that you can kind of, yeah. you know, be the first guy through the Troilus and Cressida door, but like, it's not that interesting in and of itself and that's why this kind of was flat for me ultimately despite you know the fact that there are there are layers to this that are genuinely compelling and interesting from a craft level yeah and i i think that's why it was so well received but like like that ebert quote you read is like glowing like he loved that um and i but i i i I didn't love the movie as much as he did, but I also think he's right. And I, I, I just wonder, I wonder what our perspective would, I wonder what this conversation would be, even though there weren't podcasts in 1999, 
if we had seen it then without having seen Greta Gerwig's Little Women and like sure. Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice, Marie Antoinette, like because the period film has changed so much. And there used to be, quite frankly, so many more period movies. It was like every fucking weekend there was we've done a ton um yeah. there, there and they all even the the austin adaptations i think are the ones that have become more classics because they're like more unique than the others but there was just like something like like i feel like one of patro was in a period piece every goddamn weekend she in really the 90s. Was. I, I do th- yeah <laughs> i do and they think all feel your, the same to your point kenny and i agree with you i i do think that patricia the the filmmaker and uh writer did see opportunities with this material to be able, and I think infusing, you know, Jane's actual letters into it. Like, I think all of, on an intellectual level, I think we all agree that this is an interesting endeavor. I'm not sure that she completely connects with all of it, but like even just her adding this sort of homoerotic tension in the film as well, to some degree or another between Fanny and Mary um, and what Mary Crawford care and, and the director said that she claimed that the quote unquote lesbian frisian was definitely in the book, um, and that she wanted to adapt this because she knew she could indulge herself in a couple scenes. <laughs> I didn't feel that. Did you feel that? Oh, I, I did you did. feel like it? Okay, okay. What wasn't there a scene where they're like kind of interlocked? interlocking like she like fanny's like re looking i think she's like reading and they're like interlocking arms like really yeah intimate. yeah yeah and i i felt like the scene at the end where there's all that tension between mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. i i felt like there was also a sexual undercurrent um be, but maybe it sure. was i just felt that because i because of i had remembered that scene quite vividly I also feel like M. Beth Davids has this kind of energy about her. I say this as a positive, but like mm-hmm. there's something very sort of carnivorous and sexual about her in a way um, that I think kind of she just radiates a little bit that I think I was also tapping into. She kind of radiates like this is an erotic thriller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in a different mood. Erotic but, thrillers yeah. are, are so hot right now. <laughs> I... Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's interesting that like um even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That she's that they make her to be the villain at the end. Like, and I'm not sure that she's, I mean, listen, she's pretty callous about Tom dying and and using his wealth, um, which is fucked up, and I'm not suggesting it's not, but it's also sort of like, isn't that like 
the times. Like you, this is the only way you could survive. And I think that she is painted as this malicious character, which I, I don't necessarily think she is. It feels like an easy out in order to yeah. get Edmund and, and, and Fanny together. I, 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 I admire what they did with this movie. Like the, but it seems have I mean I say this having not read the source material, yeah. but it it, it 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 appears to me that Mansfield Park is not as beloved or as sure. known because it's simply just not as good um yeah. as her other as Jane Austen's other work, which nails all of these other things like the complexities of decisions women in this growing up in this era have to make in order to survive that like it, I I feel like a later Jane Austen novel, Mary might be a more complex character. Who's not really viewed as a villain. Um, No, for sure. For sure. And Fanny's going to be more interesting and have some kind of different and the, and the like central romance would have a much more compelling dynamic um, with like more fully fledged male characters and stuff. It, it, it just seems like it's all a product of like Kenny, you said, it's just, it just, the material is just flat. Like it just didn't really need to be adapted, even though it's yeah. an admirable adaptation. Yeah. I, I think that's that, right. I, I mean, and I also not to put, you know, too much weight on this, but I do think casting is just so, so vitally important, obviously. And I do think that, I didn't feel that pull between uh, Francis O'Connor and, and Johnny Lee Miller in the way that I needed to. In fact, in a weird way, I actually thought she had more chemistry with Alessandra than she did with she did. Johnny yeah. Lee Miller. So what it and that's working against you in terms of you know your end game, if you will, between these characters. So it's it 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 just kind of is unfortunate, but but it is interesting. I I so I want to talk for a second about sort of Fanny. Uh, is proposed to by Henry. She accepts his proposal and then the next day rejects his proposal, which I think is a pretty shitty thing to do to a person. Um, but Jane Austen did Rough. that in real life. I, okay, I was going to say, did you know? I'm sure so, I was like, I'm sure So I'm just sort of like, it's, I mean, what did you think of that, Kenny? Um, so what did you say exactly? Uh, the, the, the rejection. Oh, no, that, that she so, rejected. Because I remember, yeah. I, when you were saying that, I remember... Didn't she initially say maybe? No, and, she said or, yes. But was but weren't they on the like that the bridge that yeah, wall, yeah the bridge? But yeah. she was saying yes to a proposal that he had asked not at that moment. Correct. Before. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So right. that was what I. Okay. So there. So she it kind was, of. It was three prong, right? Correct. It was like yeah. my sense was like he asked her to marry him, and that was kind of a no. That wasn't kind of like an I'll tell you later. That was kind of like a like a <laughs> I, I don't think so. Yeah. And then they're walking yeah. on that bridge and and, yeah. and she's kind of talking around it and he goes, Is that a yes? Yeah. And she's like, It's a yes. And then the music swells. And right. I'm like, What's happening here? This is the <laughs> this is the, the wrong guy. Like I yeah. this is the most yeah. beautiful shot, but this guy is the not this is not the right one, right? Am I am I crazy? Right. I can't right. figure it out. So uh, then they later she pulls back the next day, the next morning. Then that all, but that also kind of coincides with all of the sexual intrigue and the cheating and the right. Yeah, yeah, at this point, he I don't know if the doves and the sparklers were the proposal, but he sent her this very elaborate exploding 
sparkler wagon with doves to sure, her house. Sure, of course, as you do. As you do. That's, I mean, I know that's how but you that's approach Kenny. That's the bare um, minimum of what I yeah. expect. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that your boyfriend's listening. Um, <laughs> he, so he, he will not. <laughs> I, I assure you that. He oh, will not. <laughs> Good. Good. So, but she's... She's drawn back to Mansfield Park because of Tom's illness. And when mm-hmm. she's back, uh, Henry shows up and she sees him cheating with Maria. Mary. Is it? Maria. Mariah. Mariah. My apologies. Mariah. Not it, it was, yeah. it, oh my gosh. That was okay. driving me crazy because I, 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 I tend yeah, to I watch things too, with yeah. I tend to watch yeah. things with captions, so yes, it kept yeah. saying like I was kind of like reading it as Maria, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm like, "Who's Mariah?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a weird pronunciation of of a name, but and, so she and, catches them, and then they create this whole Machiavellian plot to get Henry to marry or to propose to Mariah. I'm a little unclear as to where Henry ends in all of this. So that's what I'm getting at. Like <laughs> at this point, it got real messy. They I, wanted- so, so, so it seems like they were like trying to like have Mariah and Henry, Henry, like yes, kind of shoved away from society. It feels that way. And but, then they like later like oh, one, yeah. basically <laughs> once they get the you'll money, still be kind of okay, <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, it's right. like it's like wait, wait, <laughs> yeah. wait until yes. Sir yeah. Tom, Tim, whatever dies, and then we'll reintroduce them to society and everything. But then Tom doesn't people. die. In, yes. So this whole plan goes to shit. So yeah, I, I guess one thing that that's missing, I, I quite liked, even though it was kind of cheesy. I I kind of liked the endings where like with yes, the I voiceover and they were like yeah. kind of pausing. I, 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 I thought that was oh, that really was, cute. I, that was beautiful. I like that. Yeah, and I, that, I, that looked like a nice way to end it. it, it, it yeah. I feel like it was if 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 it had been done. I don't know. It was done the perfect way for it not for it to work. Like I feel like if it had sure. been done any other way, it would have been it could have been horrible. But um, you know, the thing about it is like that was the movie I wanted. I that was the I movie know. we got in Same. the beginning with the direct to cameras. Like we were booking. And we had this at yeah. the yeah. end yeah. with yeah. these, you know, yeah. almost Victorian stills. Yep. And yep. It felt like that there was a playfulness completely missing in the middle totally that agree. would have been really fun. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I I loved it when she was um, at the beginning, towards the beginning of the movie, when she was like reading the letter, and then it's like a voiceover, and then she, it's she like looks at the camera and just starts talking. I thought that was really cool. No, like, I love that. Like I, that. I just I actually thought the be- at the beginning when Edmund gives her all the paper and pens, and there's this really beautiful sequence or like a montage of her like almost putting together a book. It made me think yeah. of the end of Little Women actually when they're making yeah. uh, Joe's book at the end. Like I think what we're all saying is that there's this kind of postmodern metatextual thing going on for the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes, but unfortunately the the remaining. So center chunk of the film is is not as infused with that, which is surprising. I'm not quite sure why that is. I, I wondered if it was even like could that have been like the studio, like studio I mean, notes or something? Who, like maybe originally it was like supposed to be more like that. But I mean, considering the time, it might have made sense if there was like pressure to make it feel like more of the same. So they're like, well, you can like be weird at the beginning at the end, but make the rest of the movie normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like that's possible. I mean, you've got 
um, the year before Shakespeare in Love, right? So that's 98. And uh, that movie feels far more infused with, I think, what what we're all kind of talking about in terms of the energy we were hoping this would have. Because mm-hmm. it does... I mean, I do feel like Shakespeare in Love is very winky in terms of like, get it, get it, all this Shakespeare, yeah. you know, there's Easter egg stuff. And it's very cute yeah. and I totally get why it works. Um, but there's this playfulness. Also, there's just, you know, the chemistry between Gwyneth and and uh, and Joseph Fiennes is, is, you know, very much there. Uh, Joseph yeah. Fiennes, oh, <laughs> please. Um, yeah, so it's it definitely feels like that movie is just, is playing at a different level than this is. But I do wonder whether an um, choice to dial it back in the I really don't know. I, I I also want to talk for a quick second about the uh, the slavery component that is in the film that is not in the book um, that some people took umbrage with to some degree or another. Um, essentially, the novel mentions slavery on several occasions, but doesn't really elaborate on it. the The movie really goes kind of farther with it, and and certainly vilifies. Harold Pinter's character, um, who eventually uh, gets out of um, the the slave trade, if you will, and and pivots towards, I think it's is it tobacco? Tobacco, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, totally fine. Uh, kill people in a completely different way, I guess. Yeah. But um, it, it, it ultimately, uh, it's an it, it's it's an interesting thing that exists in the film. I think the journal that you see of Tom's of sort of the horrors of what's going on with slavery that she sees is powerful. Um, and I think it's, yeah, uh, seriously. It's, That's a, it's that, that, that is pretty shocking. Those, those yeah. drawings were yeah. like yeah. horrific. Yeah. yeah. It, it's was, almost was so much that it feels rated, like. Was this rated R? I don't know what it was rated, unfortunately, but I, I do feel like it's, it's jarring. Yeah. Um, and it's Powerful, and I'm certainly not suggesting that it shouldn't be really? in the film. But I'll also say that it does make you kind of feel like you're in a different movie for for a PG thirteen. Oh, okay, because uh, gosh, those were like extremely yeah. graphic and like yeah. really, really horrifying to look at. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get that, that like they were meant to be that, um, yeah. but it was yeah. just shocking in a movie that had like it had that element from the beginning, like when she arrives she at Mansfield Park, yeah. she sees yeah. the slave ship. But, it, and you know, and there's like all these mention of, well, yeah, like Mansfield Park is here because of like mm-hmm. the slave trade and like you're here, you benefit from this too. Yeah. Um, but that felt like, the rest of the movie kind of felt like, even though it was like making you aware of slavery as a thing at the time, it, it just had this levity that it just felt like just pulling the rug and the floor yeah. at the same time from under me. Which I, is effective, but I don't know I, if it I, I, worked. Yeah, I yeah. kind of liked it conceptually. Um, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Just the idea that this is happening somewhere in the world. People in England are certainly benefiting from it. And uh, England likes to pretend that they had nothing to do with it. So, fuck right. those yeah. guys. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I almost yeah. I, I almost like that it's like sort of like someone who loves Jane Austen's work enough to adapt one of her less popular novels into a movie is willing to also kind of criticize her by adding something in that she ignored. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Really no, for sure. It, it's, it's so interesting because the more we talk about this, like intellectually, I think there's a lot going on in this movie. And then I keep pivoting back to my brain as I'm watching it and just feeling as though it doesn't, it doesn't stick the landing on bringing all of these ideas necessarily together. It's not that I disliked the movie or hated the movie by any means. I certainly didn't. I think everybody in it is good. I think the performances are strong. I think it's well made. It's just, and I don't know how you feel, Kenny, in terms of like whether or not this uh, came together better for you than it did for me. But I just feel like... um, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if all of these things, if one of these things had worked a little better, if the casting had been just a little bit more electric, I wonder if I would have been able to see past a lot of these issues. I guess I'm I'm not certain there's a better movie to be made here. Right. But I also don't think this was a particularly uh, enthralling picture. Sure. So, sure. like, you know, we've done movies like this where I feel like the director accomplished their goal. Yep. 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 Uh, and maybe for a you know audience member who isn't as Twitter addicted as me, um, it might be a little easier to sit through it. But for me, mm-hmm. it was uh, there, there. There was a long, long stretches in the middle of it where I was you know kind of struggling to maintain my focus. Yeah. 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 It. It. It definitely. It, the thing is, it would keep kind of pulling me b- back in yeah. with these interesting sequences. And then I would kind of get lost again when it would get into sort of the, the like, there's a really lovely moment when, um, when Henry and Mary first show up and they're all kind of playing cards and they're all sort of like, it's, it's, they're all kind of like bored. And then Henry and Mary show up and there, you can see this kind of dreamlike quality, this kind of infusion of like, Exoticism that they're yeah, the bringing shots to this. like from their really yeah. start their right. their bodies and kind of linger yeah. in the middle. Like they're, they're like rock really stars that show yeah. up and like mm-hmm. really kind of and and that's exciting and and I would actually say too in that moment the casting of M. Beth Davids and and Alessandro is feels right like these two people feel exciting and yeah. and exotic and and. It's just when they get kind of folded into the rest of the cast, they lose some of that mm-hmm. electricity, um, which is a bummer. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like all this stuff is like almost there and then it kind of gets lost at the same time. Like I, I do feel like there is a risque component to it that I respect. I do like that it's infusing a little bit more kind of the, the lover's vows play, which is sort of just an excuse for them all to kind of flirt and make out with each other. And I, I, I like all that stuff. I just feel like, I don't know. And it's kind of what you were saying earlier, Carrie. I don't know if this is a, if this is a symptom of us having seen so many more exciting period pieces since that have played so much more with sort of the, the postmodernism that I was wishing this film went farther with that. But to your point, like, had I seen it in 99, maybe this movie would have seemed a lot more bold. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to put myself into that headspace because I, I, you know, wasn't Yeah, there, I, 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 I just think, I, I think, I, I guess I just think that we would have been floored by it just simply based on, like, the fact that Roger Ebert was, like... Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> we other critics. very moved by it, and, and most sure. of the critics, yeah. But also just like, you know, I mentioned this earlier, Kenny, when the, the Rotten Tomatoes score, we haven't ever, I'm not sure that we have had a, 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 a score that's the same 
And it's not just the same. It's pretty high. A 77 from audiences makes me think that like the people that went to see this and there weren't a lot, it only made $4 million, but still the people that saw it really liked it. My guess is that the people were probably of a certain demographic that were predisposed sure. to like it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it is, it is interesting. Um, so here's a question for you guys uh, as we, as we sort of get to the end of this, but uh, do you have a favorite Jane Austen adaptation? And I'm not sure that Clueless counts. Yes. No, but I do. Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma is my favorite. Interesting. Who did that? Who directed that movie? Wasn't it Miranera? It might have been. Hold on, let me see. Love you and McGregor in that. Is he in that? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was that was uh, that was a big moment that. for me. A Douglas um, McGrath did it. Interesting. Yes, yes, Interesting. just like Miranera. Very similar people. Just like, they're so uh, similar. This cast, I didn't know that this cast went as deep as it did. Ewan McGregor, uh, Jeremy Northam, everyone's favorite Jeremy Northam. Yeah, um, he's back. Tony Collette, Alan Cumming, Greta Scacchi. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't seen this movie since that since it came out. But that's your that's your number one, Kenny. Yeah, and I love Gwyneth in it, and I love Gwyneth. Period. Um, it does feel like that was a real coming out movie for her. That I mean, it was kind of her first. You know, after starring, she got her, after she got her head chopped off, it was kind of her first movie. Her first big movie. <laughs> uh, Carrie, do you have a, do you have a um, favorite Jane Austen? Yeah, I think it's probably obvious, but mine is Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. You just love the hand moment, right? Um, I love the, I think the whole fucking movie is incredible. I think Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden are like electric. I, it's a comfort movie for me. I can watch it. I like, I've probably seen it over a hundred times. I put it on when I'm in a bad mood, when I'm in a good mood, That's awesome. when I'm like doing laundry and I <laughs> discover something new every time. And I think it's uh, like, and it was his first feature film, which it's like, pretty his, which yeah. makes me so mad, but like so proud at the same time, even though I don't know him. Um. You know, it's we Kenny and I did on our 2009 uh, Patreon. We did an episode on on, an education, um, which has Carrie Mulligan and uh, Rosamund Pike, both who were in uh, Pride and Prejudice Prejudice in 2005. Um, You know that Pride and Prejudice I had not seen for a very long time. My roommate, similar to yourself, it is a big, big movie for her. It is, it is a uh, she's seen it innumerable times, loves it to death. Um, So I finally watched it. I want to say it was probably during the pandemic. And something strange happened, which is I watched it on Stars. I actually watched this film also, Mansfield Park on Stars. But um, so I'm watching it on Stars, and um, the end of the movie on Stars ended differently than yes. the movie's theatrical. So roles. Stars has the UK ending, which is without the kiss at the end. Without the kiss at the end, mm-hmm. ending, which. With as the one where they get a lovely moment together and it's like sunset and they're kissing and all that. The UK version ends with Donald Sutherland and like having a witty moment <laughs> that yeah. sort of uh, kind of and and it's it's interesting that the British are like we don't need any of that kissing shit. <laughs> we don't need. I, I, we don't I forget need that. what it was, but it was like the in the US they were like, well, we need to end this like on a romantic note because it's like a Jane Austen movie, and they're like, okay, I guess we'll like tag on this like dumb so interesting i I mean it is a sweet scene but it is very like we need to end this on a romantic note to like pander to like american viewers yeah but it also feels like i mean listen i love donald sutherland don't get me wrong um but it's but it's a 
it's kind of a weird beat to end your movie. It on. is. Like yeah. to just smash to black on like a weird, like <laughs> Donald Sutherland sassy moment is just sort of like, it's a choice. It's like the end of Sully. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the end of Sully. <laughs> Just such, it's just such a good ending. No, it's hard to no I, 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 I love, I absolutely love Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. He's great in that movie. It's it's a great movie. I'm not, I'm not by any, mine would be Sense and Sensibility. I, mm-hmm. I adore that movie. Um, it was the movie that I think I fell in love with Kate Winslet um, when that came out. Um, you know, I, I just, it's just, it's a, just a great movie. Um, I cry with uh, every time I see the Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant moment at the end of that movie. It's just it, Hugh Grant just being like the most Hugh Grant. Uh, it's just, it's just a really, uh, it's a really special movie, I think. But I, I just think that there's something really interesting about the fact that in, in her time, Jane Austen is one of the few female authors that existed, really. Um, you know, she was obviously, I mean, in terms of sort of, overtly successful female yeah. authors. There were a fair amount of women that had to so write under pen have, names. But a lot like that. that have kind of survived have yes, are, yes. Are the women. But. For sure. It's just, it's fascinating to me that she, I mean, I get, is she the OG rom-com? Like, is she the uh, original kind of, I hate to say it, but like, is that, and I don't mean to engender it and be like, of course, a woman wrote romantic comedies, but I just think it's interesting that like, what she sort of started and that even to this day, we're still seeing adaptations of her work. It says something. I'm not sure what, but. Oh, absolutely. I I feel like, I mean, I I could be wrong. I could be, I mean, I'm not, you know, the smartest person. I don't have like the best encyclopedia (laughs) of literature, you know? Um, But I, I do feel like Jane Austen was probably the first person to, make love triangles less tragic. Like they're still, they're, they're still like, like the, the, they, her novels still have the themes of like women being oppressed and by society and the way things were and everything, but they're still inherently light, you know, which, which might be what uh, Patricia was trying to accomplish with this movie by being like, there's this like, slavery looming over this place that exists because of slavery, but also this is like kind of yeah. cute. Yeah. You know? I, I think there's also, I agree with, with everything you're saying. I, I you know, I, obviously Shakespeare had his, his comedies um, and, and certainly played in this milieu to a certain degree or another. But I think to your point on a, on a novel level, like on a literature level, it does feel like, so much romance ended in tragedy. <laughs> there was not a lot of uh, light romantic yeah. things around that time. And, and, and even in some of the Shakespeare comedies that have like romances, they still feel kind. They still feel a little bit sad to me yes, in some oh, ways. Sure. Like for even sure. like Taming of the Shrew and or, Midsummer's or, Night Dream are like it's like still or too funny. Or too, yeah. or too comedy first. I'm thinking yeah. of Twelfth Night, which yeah, is, sure, you know, sure, sure. there's sure. very romantic aspects of that, but it's still a little too funny. Yep. Like, yep. I think Jane Austen's works in general are romance forward. Mm-hmm. And the humor is incidental and secondary. There are no, there are no you know, humorous setups. There and are there's not, like, caricatures or... Shakespeare. Yeah, yes. yeah. Or, like, any, yeah. like, slap 
slapstick comedy and stuff. Yeah. There's also, you know, I agree with you what you're saying, Kenny, that that his when he goes for comedy, he goes for comedy. Yeah. Um, but I also think that uh Jane's stuff is so terrestrial and grounded. He often and I mean, would go mad and he, yeah. of, you know what I mean? He would do all these like whimsy things. She never does that. Yeah. And I I'm think sure there are Shakespeare it. people listening who would tell us differently, but uh, <laughs> tell us that he did write very romantic. Uh, I'm sure he did. I mean, very romantic. Well, uh, plays it's never made Carrie a little funny. So. It's, <laughs> Is that true? Can I just say, I'm making a t-shirt that says, it's never made Carrie horny. <laughs> Which is the opposite, because I feel like everything makes Carrie horny, if, right, if Twitter uh, is to be believed. Let's move on. Let's move mm. on. <laughs> yeah, we can move on. I'll just say this, though. Um, I, uh, I did feel like... Um, I, what's the couple, I guess, in this film that actually worked for you? That actually did have chemistry? Were there any couples that worked for you guys? Well, Fanny and Henry had an interesting so, thing. Had had something, but the the story. I I think like the film doesn't quite reach their potential because the source material never really does. Like, yeah, it had too like, much it, chemistry. It, it just it never really gives their romance a chance to chemistry. like really happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that would be my favorite one because the rest of them are just like so flat that I quite honestly barely even remember them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. And I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really connect that Mariah was with uh, Hugh Bonneville. Like my brain, I, I mean, it took because he's not in the three, movie enough. He's not to Kenny's point. He's not in the movie enough. We needed more Hugh Bonneville. Um, I, I do feel like it just didn't totally work in that regard. Yeah, it's it's a strange. It's for for a Jane Austen adaptation that is sort of romance forward. Uh, it doesn't really totally land the romance components as well as I think it would have. Uh, I would have liked, but. Um, Kenny, did you do you want to rate this? Do you have other thoughts on Mansfield no, Park no, that you would let's like go ahead to and rate it? <laughs> Kenny's very locked I, into this episode. <laughs> you well, I do. It's it's like it's like when I asked Phil, I'm like, "Who's doing this again?" And he goes, "Carrie Whitmer," and I'm like, "Thank God, someone who can carry this episode." So no pun thank intended. you, Carrie, for thank, thank you. you, Carrie, for yes, for carrying this episode and carrying it up. But uh, I, I mean, you know, look, I, uh, I struggled. I struggled engaging with this movie. And, to be fair, uh, how many movies do you have left from '99 now? We, we we're, we're 40. forty or so. I, okay, I, I imagine that you're like it's like kind of the beginning of the end, and it's oh, like it's we're definitely exhausting. Yeah, it's not well, that I, it's exa- it's not that it's yeah. exhausting though. You know, we we watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, just a lot, and it's you know, it's not like it's not like most people who watch a lot of movies where they watch a lot of movies they want to watch. We right. watch a lot of movies that like we gotta watch. So, uh, or Same. you know, yeah, I mean, not as many as you guys, but I do have to watch things where I'm like, yeah, it's your I job. Really- yes, this right? is our job yeah. too, Phil. We yeah, don't but then sometimes much, I'm like, but- yeah. So we, so it's not even that. Like, I, you know, I, I go in. It's I, I feel like a script reader where it's like I am 
going to do a lot of stuff this week, but if it hasn't gotten me in the first act, like, I don't know. Like my brain kind of is like onto the next thing. Yeah. And so I kind of passively take in um, a lot of these movies and that's kind of I what that. I, I, I'm sim- Park, where I'm like, yeah. you know, if I, if I am starting to read the Wikipedia plot summary by act two, I'm like, I like, like it's because yeah. like I need to get caught up. Like some shit has happened <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, uh, no, where I, are we? And that's what happened with this movie. So I totally it's, agree, yeah. it's, you know, we, we still have gems. Like yes. frankly, the other two movies I've watched in the last 36 hours or 48 hours for this podcast, I think are both like total gems, but, um, but this is not a gem. I think that no, it's not a bad movie. It's not, it's to answer your, your more grand question, Carrie, in terms of the fact that we still have a fair amount of films to cover. Um, we're certainly going to be fine to get through the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> It's, you know, it's a weird, I sent you the list. You've seen it. It's a weird uh, batch of movies. Uh, We have obviously other batch of movies that are allocated to people and what have you. So like, there's no shortage of stuff to listen to. I'm watching this movie. Uh, I'm not fully engaged in this film. I'm wishing that it had me more, uh, you know, more hooked into it. Um, You know, what it made me actually think of, Kenny, was uh, The Winslow Boy. Um, Me too. Yeah. (laughs) So the Winslow Boy, I don't know if you know this movie, Carrie. Uh, it's a, no. a David Mamet adaptation. It's a Northam, um, also uh, a Northam flick. It's another Northam movie. Um, and, and it's a period film. Um, Kenny and I did an episode on it. Uh, it's lost to time. Uh, we seem to have somehow lost this episode. So uh, perhaps we'll re-record a Winslow Boy episode. My oh, guess God. is we won't and that this will be our Winslow Boy episode. No, no, but we're going to do say, it. We're going to do it. Oh my I'll God. do it alone. I I'm going to do it alone. Should I do it alone? You can <laughs> We're, we'll do it together. I just, I'm not watching the fucking Winslow I do want to do one episode all alone, Phil. I'll figure out really? at some point. What's it going to yeah, be? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's, that was an evil laugh. By the I way. feel like it was a full on I feel like it's, I feel villain like laugh. It, I feel like that's really, you know, that's like the bar mitzvah of podcasting where you get up there alone and podcast for an hour and a half about something. By the way, just, you know, just fucking filibuster. I think you absolutely should. I look forward to listening to that yeah, episode. You, you pick the episode for me. Something, oh, that you, something that's that's left that you feel like this is oh Kenny and definitely not me. You, you know what we so. should do, Kenny, is we each should do that. We should each do episodes by ourselves and put them together into one episode. So, like, okay. you listen to the two the two halves. Um, it's a fun little experiment of, of a movie of two movies that probably no one gives a shit about. Um, but that being right. said, um, let's rate this film. I'd give this film a sixty before the podcast, and then after this podcast, I mean, honestly, I'm probably around this. I mean, maybe I'm a little lower. Maybe I'm fifty seven or a fifty nine. But like, I'm in this like, I, I'm of the belief that this movie isn't bad. This movie isn't isn't uh, isn't unrecommendable, but I also because I do think that there's some stuff in it that I liked, um, and I think that uh, in terms of the Jane Austen oeuvre, it is kind of postmoderny in an interesting way that I kind of enjoyed. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 59. That's where I'm at. What about you, Kenny? So I gave it a 40 before, you know, and, and a lot of that came from like, how could I possibly give this above a 50 if like I really didn't enjoy the, the sure. process of watching it? However, yep. after talking about it, yep. it is one of those movies where upon reflection, 
there is so much to recommend there, even if it is kind of a slog, that I am going to push it over 50. I'm going to give it a 53. I think uh, it does. It, 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 it deserves a place in, uh, in, in film history. And film history being, you know, many thousands of films long, but uh, it is not. It is. It is not totally ignorable by any stretch. Like there's, there's stuff that there's stuff that you do in this movie that if you're making a certain kind of movie, you should watch it. That's kind of how I feel. Like I think that this movie tries to be interesting. <laughs> it tries to take some swings. I respect those swings, but. It doesn't totally stick the landing for me. But what, what about you, Carrie? What, what yeah. you saw this? I'm, you've seen I, this in the past. So I, I'd seen it when I was probably eleven. Okay, ten or eleven. Okay, um, did not really. Besides, like some rewatching it, and really zero memory of it. Besides, like I remembered like the house, or I guess sure, like sure. Sure. whatever you call it, the park. Um, if you will. Um, I, I remember a, man, a Mansfield park. I, I, I remember the poster. I remember um, Fanny, like as a character, really no other memory of it um, besides that, which is, which is, does not mean the movie is bad, but I, I feel like, like Kenny touched on this. I, my rating's a little higher. I think I'll go with a mm-hmm. 60, even okay. 60. Be, just because I do think that it is pretty significant. Um, and, Kind of des- oh, kind of deserves a higher score just because of how bold it was for the time. Sure, and sure. because it, quite frankly, probably influenced other filmmakers to make. Like I, I like I, I really do think if this hadn't been made, we might not have gotten Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice yeah. and like sure. other sure. period adaptations that we have now. Um, and it's just like so, like it's not really regarded at all. Um, yeah. So I think if I rated it lower that wouldn't be true to how I truly felt about it like I like I don't love it I was also quite bored with it but I'm also like wait this is actually like a a this like a significant movie and Mm -hmm. the director like really did something that no one else had really done before Um, totally agree and I think especially for the period for for the time like in nine in like the 90s like that's like really I don't want to say brave but to to kind of fuck with a novel by one of the greats at that time <laughs> seems to be like a really like cool thing to do, especially no, for I a think filmmaker too. Totally. I, I think it's, I mean, that, that, those are all the reasons why, you know, I, I put it, I mean, I know 59 doesn't sound great, but like I, I'm, I'm, you know, 59, 60. Cause I think this film is, I think it's 59 for a movie that you didn't enjoy watching is great. Yeah, you know, like like that 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 I really speaks to what a great job they did on lackluster material. Correct. I I I think about I think about this a lot when I come on here because I'm like, is like I I I'm like, is my score? I try to think like I feel like going higher than sixty is almost like too is like almost too nice. Not not nice is like rating it much higher than I think yeah. too generous. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I feel like even a, a movie like 65 plus is a good movie from yeah, my I mean, perspective of the scale. If that no, totally. Sense. No, I think Kenny and I, I mean, we have slightly different views on, on the rating system, but I feel I've come, like I've come around to your system, but I, I feel like if you, if you're over 60, like that's fucking good. That's a good movie, right? Like, 
there, it's it's there are better films, obviously, but I've yeah. So I I, I think that's I, I would yeah. I maybe I would say fifty to sixty. I would consider to be noble failures. Correct. Correct. That that um, is the best way to put it. Yeah. And that's a, yeah. uh, and below fifty, we're starting to get into the, the degrees of movies that I don't want to watch again. It's that <laughs> yeah. simple. That that like I, War of the Roses. Yeah, how dare you? Carrie, wait till you listen to our fifty-two review episode. Well, Kenny for, just uh, doesn't even engage on on. Uh, on... <laughs> Why would I do that? Well, I mean, I, I care about you too much. <laughs> <laughs> you guys make did it you, seem as though this movie isn't a you, beloved fucking cult classic. Did you want me? Anyway. Did you want me to engage on it? No, I, I just I listen. I, I, I recall get it. that I was more on your side. No, you were Carrie, and I appreciate that. I, I appreciated that someone showed. Um, some yeah yeah it is what it is this i war of the roses is uh is always going to be one of my favorite comedies and mansfield park will be a movie i will probably never think about again yeah Mm -hmm. um but uh but but i'm sure you appreciate that you saw it absolutely i mean listen i i think kenny and i can both safely say that uh this podcast continues to expose us to films we haven't seen um some of which have left an impression some of which uh, are in and out of the transom of our minds. This might be one of the latter. Um, but more Do any important of them than anything, haunt you? Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, there, we've seen some horrible films that that I mean. Oh, love sure. stinks. Horrible films. We've seen some coming out horrible. soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's coming out for uh, when, April you, when you when you said oh, yes. haunt. When you said haunt, did you mean like like scare us? Like no, like, like, like I mean nightmares? like stay with you. I get. I guess yeah. Just like in a. In a bad way, like not oh. scared you, but like I, I feel like some movies I see and they just like keep me up at night because I'm just like, wow. how did this get made? Yeah, yeah like it, or just like even just like one thing, especially like in films from like the 90s. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I'll say it, this. <laughs> I'll say this to answer your question, and I think I'm curious to hear Kenny's answer about this too. There, there are loads of films that we've done that I'm shocked got made period, or got made in the way that they got made. Mm. Um, but we kind of referred to one earlier. I think Bicentennial Man is a movie that I understand that Robin Williams is, was a big movie star. I understand that, that uh, Chris Columbus have made successful films. Um, but that's, that's almost cats-like to me, of like, how did you oh, totally. see Great the call. various things laid out in front of you in pre-production and be like, go, here's millions <laughs> of dollars, go do it. Yeah, I think yeah. that you're, you're really interesting kind of points that the, the only true disasters that we're pretty much ever going to see are big studio movies. Because mm-hmm. only a big studio movie could, uh, could be into poker term, but, but the term is pot committed, yeah. where they have already invested so much into something that you can already see is going to go down in a flame point. No, no choice yeah and those movies are going to get theatrically released so we've seen so many indie movies some of which are like not great but like very few uh, of which are like completely like uh you know in uh, unsubstantial yeah well no no i mean like the 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 barrier for an indie movie to actually get into a theater is incredibly high so I think that's something that I never really understood before I did this, before we undertook this, the idea of like, why do 
all of these indie movies get pretty good reviews, whereas like most of these studio movies get pretty shitty reviews. And it is because like there are probably 2,000 indie movies every year that we don't even know about. So yeah. the garbage doesn't even get close to us. Yeah. And the stuff that survives the gauntlet of film festivals is generally pretty amazing. You know, it's it's interesting, and and not to not to wade into these waters too deeply, but I'll just say that you know, as you were talking, Kenny, it made me think about the fact that you know, um, back in '99, right? The the only sort of you had a straight to video market, right? So you had films yeah. that didn't get a theatrical release that went straight but, to but video. But not not like today's straight to video market. No, exactly. Where there is like, exactly. Where there is like the, like this this this. Uh, the ethos of a straight-to-video movie is like its own Completely thing. Like, different. It really was yeah. true trash. In my it was mind. real trash that, that you know, a couple million dollars was spent on and they were like, we... My grander point is it costs a fucking lot of money to release a film in the theater. Like mm-hmm. that, people do not realize how expensive yeah. an endeavor that is. Which is why in this new streaming world that we live in and as we continue to venture down this road, you know... I would rather see good films get released on streaming than, you know, than take on the burden financially of, of quote unquote, failing in a theatrical release. Yeah. Because I think that, that that has a stink on it that I think is very hard to shake career-wise for the people that made the film, whatever the case might or the be. Film, like The Last Duel. Sure, like The Last yeah, Duel, or, for instance. Or In the Heights. Or In yeah. the Heights, where you're just like, those films, I mean... Everyone talked about how In the Heights and West Side Story's failures are like, how come they didn't save the theatrical experience? I bring this up just because it's exactly what you're saying, Kenny, which is I don't think that streaming has nearly the stink that a straight-to-video release had back in the day. I mean, I worked in video stores, and I remember there'd be, there'd be little gems here and there. There'd be your Donnie Darkos or what have you, where like something would go straight-to-video, and people would find this gem and be like, this doesn't deserve to be labeled straight-to-video. Um, <laughs> and I just think that that's... We don't have that really anymore. We're almost by accident, like, yes, with something yes, like yes. that, 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 yeah. that just kind of happened. But it's interesting. Like, I, I'm so taken intellectually with this idea that deep water is a direct to hulu movie it's just, I, well, it's, I saw it how is it carrie this is going to come I, out after it's released anyway so you don't yeah. worry about your embargo no, I, no it's yeah. i mean i yeah. the review embargo is lifted um okay. i really liked it i mean I, i'm excited i'm a, I'm a oh, huge ero- i'm a huge erotic thriller fan i will yeah. say all the greats are um <laughs> ben affleck is kind of sleepwalking through it um, not really trying that hard, but he's like so good in these types of roles. It feels like very Nick Dunn, Gone Girl. Um, Kenny's favorite, but like way more sinister. My favorite. Character I mean, I don't ever. think I don't think Anna De Armas is very good at acting. Um, oh no. I, I I quite I quite like her. She's fine. Um, but I I like the movie. It's like is it sexy it, or is it boring? It's sexy. Um, it's a typical erotic thriller. I mean, I think Adrian Lynn is like the fucking mastermind of erotic mm-hmm. thriller. Even like a kind of boring, predictable story from him is going to sure. be like a visual feast and very exciting. Oh, he's the best. Even he's if the best. it's he's the fucking I mean, you, best. I mean, you guys, you guys like Adrian Lynn, so you're going to like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I love, I love all of his movies. Love. Even like I, I rewatched. <laughs> um, I'm working. I'm working on. I've been watching all rewatching all these erotic thrillers because I'm sure. doing like a big piece on them right now. 
Um, like I just watched like Fatal Attraction, Unfaithful, sure. and I'm like, God, he's like he's the man. These, the fucking, these yeah. stories, these stories are predictable. They're like mm-hmm. really cheesy. They're like borderline stupid, but he's so fucking good at making them that Deep Water works for me. Well, so, Kenny, I want to ask you a question because you you alluded to. I think it's crazy that, that Deep Water is a straight to. It's crazy. Well, not crazy. I think it's incredibly compelling in our current landscape. But my, I guess my, my question was going to be more about, you know, the, the, the Ana de Armas Ben Affleck relationship that, that obviously went sideways and everyone was very excited about a press tour of these two people. I, you know, I, the question I guess I ultimately have is do you think in a different time, and by that I mean like pre pandemic, does this get a theatrical release? It was That's supposed to. Yeah, that, it that's was supposed what I'm to kinda... come out. It was supposed to come out in theaters uh, August twenty twenty. I think it's. I think this is the movie, mm-hmm. Phil, that is specifically, yeah, a reaction to what you're talking about, yeah. which is this movie. If it goes into the theaters with all of the fucking who you know, like hubbub around it, yeah. this relationship, these two hot stars, the return of the erotic thriller aging Lynn hasn't made a movie in 20 years like this is the kind of thing that gets the internet excited yes and yes. then it would fucking land with a massive thud yep, because yep. It, it only yeah. like yeah i mean bad example but it reminds me a little bit of snakes on a plane where like sure. the internet was so excited <laughs> yes. about that and then it yes. made like five million dollars and like the internet kind of had to be like Wait, are we not that important and i think that there's something to that too where like when this went out and made it would have had like a fucking $3 million opening weekend. You would have had all these contrarians who we hate come out and be like, ha, 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 this movie sucks. You guys suck. All the same people who like, and they're frankly, a lot of them are straw men. Like I didn't see a lot of people like out there dancing on In the Heights grave. I I saw a lot of people out there being like, oh no, everyone's dancing on the grave. Same with West Side Story. It's this like weird kind of, you know, like like hate pit that we like put ourselves yeah. in. But I'm 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 happy. I agree. Your point, Phil, that this movie doesn't have to go through that because now we can just kind of enjoy it for what it is and yep. not have to deal with the fucking pressure yeah. of like, is this going to be a thing that kills the erotic thriller? It would have been it would have been great in the theater, but I mean, I think that this is the right track for it. I had to sign like a DocuSign the contract before sure. watching the screener. And I was like, does Jennifer Lopez like have my fucking SSN? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I've never had to do that before ever with a screener. I was like, why this movie? Like, it's just, it's so weird. Um, I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I, I think that it's going to be trash in the best, like the, the highest caliber the, of trash. Yeah. Hey, man, like, that's I, the, yeah. Basic Even his bad is, stuff. Yeah, it, indecent proposal is like, as you know, I Phil, love indecent like proposal. Yeah, I, yeah. I love it for the reasons I think you're talking about, uh, Carrie. I love the way it is just bathed in over the top romance. It's so ridiculous! Yes. Just, it, just, it is just <laughs> dripping in like in like melodrama. And just I like the setting is so for it. Oh, in this one, it's like I feel like most of his movies are like California or like mm-hmm. Westchester County. Um, mm-hmm. you know, We're and this one, life. yeah, and this one is New Orleans, and it's like beautiful. Like the way he like mm-hmm. plays with the house that they filmed in is like fucking incredible. Like the way he like uses the space in the movie is really cool. Uh, I Harry, really like. He's like it. he's like eighty, isn't he? He's really? Oh my god! 
He's 81. We're not well, going to get him anymore. Of these. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's, he still knows how to make it sexy. Let's get so. out there. Get out there, well, Adrian. Yeah. Come um, on, you got 21 years our- like Clint. This has been our episode on Mansfield Park and Deep Water. Um, <laughs> so I, I I can't thank you enough, Carrie, for coming on to talk. Thank you for time. having me. I, we, sorry, I feel like I make you guys digress no, a lot you with my comments. Kidding? <laughs> we, 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 we live for love digressions. Uh, and we can't wait to uh, have you back for another super random yes, movie. Um, I would love that. It's going to be great. Um, maybe one that three of us haven't seen. Um, and but honestly thank you so so much as Kenny said you carried this episode in so many ways hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos Activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.